Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Hello, and welcome to episode 215 of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. We're here today with Ben Troop, a former tight end on the Tennessee Titans, a second-round draft pick in 2004, and a former tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ben is also a former All-American football player at the University of Florida and at Butler High School in Augusta, Georgia. He is a youth development activist and a motivational speaker. Ben, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Excellent. It's a pleasure to have you. So the first question I'd like to pose to you is what are you currently doing or what have you ever done to advance the public interest and why? Well, what I'm doing now is um, it's all about our youth exposure. I mean, I do a lot of um, working with the youth as far as, like, getting them to understand just how uh, big of a world we live in. Excuse <clears throat> me. My life has become what it's become because of exposure. So I try to utilize that as a means to help our young people. I feel as though that when you talk about millennials or young people, they get, they get looked past because they feel as though what they're lacking. I try to come at it from, you know, what they're, you know, uh, what they're great at. So, I you know, I do a lot of um, working with the youth as far as, like, you know, trying to take them on college tours and Fortune 500 company tours and really get them out of the cities and the states that they live in to show them that it's bigger than where they're from. And, uh, you know, um, I do I do um, sports radio as well. You know, I like to be, you know, sports is something that I enjoy doing, so I, I talk about that as well. But and, and obviously being a speaker, uh, being able to speak to whomever will help, I feel as though that something, what I, what I say to a person or to a adult could be the difference in their life, you know, becoming something different. So, you know, as far as, like, you know, that's what I'm doing right now. So you said um, the that adults could uh, that who really cares like a mentor could be really the the what makes a difference in a child's life. Was there anyone in your own life when you were a child who really made that difference? Who believed in you if things were difficult? Perhaps you can elaborate on your childhood circumstances and what led to you succeeding uh, when so many others uh, are not able to make it to the NFL uh, despite trying. Uh, as hard as they can. Was there anyone who helped you along the way? Definitely my mother and my father. I always had the type of parents that uh, never, ever killed my dreams, you know, and, and a lot of times when you're younger, you don't understand you're a dreamer, and the only person that can kill your dream is the most influential person in your life, that being my mother and father, but they never did that. They never, ever told me what I couldn't do. They never, ever told me what I couldn't be, and it just showed when I was out there on the, you know, playing sports. Uh, when I was seven years old, my mother couldn't afford to um, buy me cleats, but she did enroll me in football. And I remember one of my coaches uh, telling me, uh, telling my mother, just make sure you have them here tomorrow. And my coach went out of his way out of his own pocket to give me cleats. And that just showed me that sometimes you just have to do what you know how to do. And I feel as though, you know, everything else that kind of line up in place doesn't mean you're going to achieve the highest level of success, but it just taught me at a young age to just do what I could control, control what I could control. And, and like I say, up until this point, man, I mean, I still have my parents are my heroes, man. My mother is superwoman. My dad is superman to me because they continue to be, you know, for me what I need as far as, like, you know, pushing me, uh, you know, past my own fears, past my own, you know, uh, in, you know uh, inabilities and things of that nature. So, I, you know, it's definitely my parents. What were some of your fears and some of your uh, – that some of the tribulations that you went through on your path uh, to success in football? Just doubt, like anybody else, is this for me? Am I good enough? 
um, the old, the, the negative conversation you have to yourself about, you know, I was talking about the, you know, in coming from a, you know, a, uh, a source of lack. Like I always focus on what am I lacking? What are my weaknesses? And finding a way to overcome those things. You know, uh, I always tell people, I made it to the NFL because I was in a position to be seen, felt, and heard through my talent. And the thing about it is, is it wasn't, I wasn't this great individual. A lot of times, you know, people will say, well, based off what you've done, do you consider yourself to be successful? And I always say it's not based off what I've done. It's based off the fact that I was able to overcome my own thinking. I was able to overcome my own doubt and stress and worry. And I think because I was out, my biggest hurdle was my own mind and my own thinking, because I was able to overcome me, I was able to do a lot of great things and continue to do a lot of great things. So you're asking yourself if you were good enough. I'd like to ask about that success for a moment. To what extent, so let me ask you, is there anyone in the, in the nation who you believe uh, is talented and worked hard and, and was as good as you but never made it to the NFL because they never got discovered and they never had the luck that you had? And alternatively, is there anyone in the U.S. who works, has worked as hard or potentially harder than you worked who didn't make it because they just didn't have the natural skill set? So I'm really trying to get it to what you would attribute your success, hard work, luck, and, and being found. Uh, so what do you think about that? Well, first and foremost, everybody that I've ever played with, in my opinion, were good enough. Even certain guys that weren't talented, I, I weren't as talented. We all on the same team. So when people ask me what was it about you, I mean, I think it's through the grace of God that I was able to do what I did. But outside of that, I really couldn't tell you only because it would be it would be like Cooper, me and you going to college to be doctors. We both go through school, graduate. We both go to medical school, and we both get our you know our, our MD, our PhD. Yet you, yet I become hired at, at, a, at, a, at a whatever a big-time uh, hospital in the D.C., and yet you can't find work. It's really, it's really like that. It's like you really question why me sometimes because I play with some of the best athletes in the world. You know, I played at the University of Florida in the Southeastern Conference, which has its own networking. It's considered the best conference in the world, and I say I'm getting the same coaches, the same resources, the same attention to detail, yet they call my name and not somebody else's, and I and – I, I always question, I don't question why me in that sense, but to say that I was better than them would be nonsense because we, we all out there on the same field sharing the same, you know, uh, you know, uh, resources. It's just, I got picked and they didn't. I think it's important to note that for many of our listeners, because clearly the majority of listeners to this show will never become professional athletes, even if they try uh, and they work as hard as you did for as many hours and, 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 catch as many passes and, and, and block as many uh, runners, that they won't ever make it there. So I think it's really interesting that you, who have succeeded, uh, have had such self-doubt and have really asked, are you good enough? Clearly, coaches and, and pro professional scouts believe that you were good enough and then you were able to succeed, so you were good enough. But, but the fact is, you still had persistent doubt. Why do you suppose someone of your skill and your caliber – still had a sense of, of, of trying to improve upon your weaknesses and still had self-doubt. I think that's something that would surprise some listeners. Why was it present in you despite all the successes that you had? I think because I was working out of a fear of failure. When, you, when you're at the highest level with the biggest microscope, with the biggest limelight, 
is am I doing enough? Yeah, yeah, I'm getting noticed. And yes, yes, I'm getting notoriety. Yes, people are noticing my gifts and talents. But I believe that that's, you know, the question you just asked me is what people want to know. Do, as a professional athlete, as being at the highest level, do I still suffer from self-doubt? Yes. Do I still suffer from the fact that I don't think I'm good enough while I'm doing it? Yes. And I think that most players or most athletes or most professionals, they don't admit that. Because we're looking at them on stage or them on the field or them on the court. But but away from that, you know, do they say, as good as people think I am, and I still think I could be better. And I, and I think that's what it really is. It's always pursuing something greater, pursuing something higher, even in the midst of what you're doing. So I think that that's where mine came from. So you've spoken about pursuing something great, something higher than yourself. Um, I'd like to ask you about success both on and off the field. Clearly, by many metrics, you've achieved success on the football field, but you're now a former football player. You only mm-hmm. were in the NFL for a portion of your life, and, and that is now in your past. So in addition to the success on the field, what constitutes success for you off the field? You've been becoming engaged in youth development and become a motivational mm-hmm. speaker. What is it that you seek to impart to others through your work? What is being successful off the field for you? Success off the field to me is um... – instilling that same uh, wisdom and drive and understanding that you can do and be anything to these young people, to be able to take my platform, to be able to take things that I've been given and to be able to impart that on them. Cause even, even, even if it's simply just telling them that no matter how fearful you are, no matter how much doubt you have, no matter how much you feel as though you're inadequate, no matter how much you feel as though you lack something, don't let that stop you because I could have let that stop me. I could have let the fact that, you know, people are going to, because you got to think when I'm in the line, like my success and my failure are both on display. I can't hide any one of them. And most people are so afraid uh, of starting at the bottom that they never, ever start anything. And I always tell my young people, don't be most people. Everybody got a starting point. So my thing is to be able to share my failures far greater than my successes to young people to let them know my failures are what drive me. My failures are what showed me that I can, I could find a different way or a different method to achieve a certain level of success. Or, and I always say this, the true American dream, like the true American dream, in my opinion, is ordinary people living extraordinary lives. I think everybody in this world can do that. Just ordinary people. Because what is extraordinary to you, Jordan, could be different than what's, what's extraordinary to me. But I hope, but I'm, I'm achieving my extraordinary life because I'm living the life I chose, not a life I had to settle for. So, to me, that's successful. I don't think it has anything to do with monetary gains or material things. I think those are things that come and go. But if somebody can achieve the life that they chose for themselves and not the life that somebody told them that they had to settle for, I mean, what is more successful than that? So living the life that you choose for yourself is your definition of success. You mentioned failure, though. Is there anything that you have set your mind to that you've tried as hard as you could and were not able to be successful at? Of course. I mean, when you talk about when you talk about the fact that uh, when I was in when I was in college, I wanted to win the John Mackey Award, which is the, which is the best tight end, and I didn't win it. Now, was I a finalist for it? Yes, but I didn't win it. I wanted to win uh, a national championship in college. Never won. I wanted to win uh, a Super Bowl when I was in the NFL, but I didn't win it. So yeah, I, I failed a lot. I think, and it's my best tool now. I mean, even with the things I've you know wanted to do, I mean, I've done nonprofit work in the, in the past that didn't turn out the way I wanted to. But I've learned so much in the process of my failures. I mean, success to me is great 
but I don't think you learn as much. I mean, you look at you, you take a you take a parallel of football. You learn more after a loss than you do after a win because you have to go back to the drawing board after a loss to be like, oh, what what could I have done better? So I look at failure as success as reflection. I, I believe you can't have one, have one without the other. So I learn more from failure than I do success only because it, it forces me to level up. It brings out a a higher level of understanding and work ethic in me that I wouldn't have had if I've always, you know, if you always hear people yelling and screaming your name and you start believing that stuff and you never really work as hard as you could and should to become something better. So many children around the nation are dreaming of being a professional football player, basketball player, violinist, whatever it is, somebody that has, they wish to become something that has a very low probability of ever actually coming to fruition. You're somebody who is able to make it there. You've been there. You've come to the other side. And since this is Public Interest Podcast, I'd like to speak about how you've used what you have achieved, which is very rare on a population level for all children. Speak about, I guess, how you've used that platform and that visibility to make the world better for others, how you've used your brand to inspire children to follow their own paths and and to engage in youth development and i'm interested in hearing you elaborate on what exactly you've been doing as a youth development activist well i use i use my uh i use my platform in the means to give uh young people the reality of what they want to do and, and to let them know that the things that you want to do your dreams that you have only person needs to believe in them is you i know a lot of times we want other people to believe in us and push us and give us motivation and wisdom, but it's lonely depending on what you want to do because you want, if you want to do something that's rare, there aren't many people to talk to about it. There aren't many people that can really address it because the, most, the average individual is not even going to fathom what you're trying to do. So when you talk about being a professional athlete, I was in the Nashville Ballet when I was um, – I didn't put on no tights or anything, but I was in the ballet, and when I asked them, when I had to tell them that what they've achieved as professional ballet dancers, it's far greater than what I've achieved as a professional athlete. And I think that what has happened is because what I've done is more on a pedestal and more recognized as a nation, things that other people, I said, listen, I think that wanting to be a teacher is far greater than what I've done. So I think what I really do is let them know whatever you want to be, it should be seen as, you know, a professional because that's what you're going to be. Hopefully, you know, it's going to take hard work to get there and, as far as like what I'm doing, as far as like youth, youth uh, activism and exposure, my, my whole thing is about two things, growth and exposure. So what I do is I work with schools. Um, I work with youth organizations to uh, help me and aid me in get, giving, giving these young people as much exposure as possible. I always focus on college tours and, and like I said, Fortune 500 tours and taking them out of the cities that they live in. I'm from Plainsboro, Georgia, a little small town in Georgia. And most of the, if I don't go to college, I probably never leave there. There's nothing wrong with that, but my exposure is very, very minimal if I have any at all. I just don't, I just remember that when we were younger, my mother used to drive me and my brother and my sister to gated communities. They show us how nice these houses were. When I'm 25 years old, I live in a gated community. My mother used to talk about college. When I'm 17, I'm going to college. So I think these parallels pay, play a big role in the development of these young people. And I try not to make it seem as if what I'm doing is the, is the greatest thing, but this is my solution to a, to a problem that I feel as though has to be addressed by a lot of people, not just myself. How did you come to the idea that you would be a, a tour guide, you would be a facilitator to another world for these children? How did it occur to you that you would 
provide them an, with insight as to what that college could be within their grasp or that working in a Fortune 500 company could be within their grasp. How did that idea come to you? And can you elaborate on, on how you've been executing this idea of finding the kids and, and, and expanding their horizons? Well, I would, well, it started with me going to college and seeing, well, we going on official visits. You know, I went to the University of Georgia, University of South Carolina, and, you know, University of Louisville, and University of Florida, and Clemson. And I just remember what it did for me. And I know I'm there because I'm getting recruited, but I'm like, man, like, look at these colleges and look at how much they have to offer. And I remember how it altered my thinking every time I went back to school. So it's like when I leave Augusta and come back, my, my, you know, my mind is altered. And then when you think about the Fortune 500 tours, I was able to take these young people. It's a, it was an SEC like, ex, you know, they took all these players from all the schools, all 14 schools, and I was able to go around with them to these Fortune 500, like Chick-fil-A and, you know, uh, you know, and these different type places. And it just showed me how big of a world it is when you expose yourself to it. So what I, I decided to try to blend them, because think about it, if the more kids I take to college, the more likely they are going to go. I'm going to change some minds. And then I'm, I'm, showing, I'm showing these young people, college, you go to college, you have a career. You fill out an application to have a job. I'm trying to get them to change their mindset. And, and the greatest thing about it is every last child at a school can benefit from this. This isn't, this isn't based on religion and gender and sex and all these different – this is for whomever want to be a part of it, and it's our job as the adults, you know, to provide that for them. So what do you say to a student – you're taking a, a high school kid around and you're showing, all right, this is Coca-Cola – Okay, this is Lockheed Martin. Okay, this is uh, some other large corporation. And you say, okay, so this is University of Florida, this is University of Georgia, different place. You're taking the schools and companies, and you say, gosh, you know, Ben, I really appreciate everything you're doing. This seems great. Um, but you know what I really want to do? I want to be a professional tennis player or a professional whatever athlete. First of all, it's very unlikely that they will succeed. But even if they do succeed, that's just for a few years. And then eventually it ends, as it has in your case, and you have a whole lot of life ahead of you that isn't about playing professional sports. What do you say to a student like that who's on tour with you and says, I just want to be just like you, Ben? What do you say to someone like that? Well, first and foremost, I tell them, you are already, you, you're going to be better than me. I say, I say, set your barometer. You know, I, it's great that they want to use me as a barometer, but what it does is, I'm sure, what I say to them is, you got to have a plan. It starts with a belief, then you got to have a plan behind it. You want to be, a, you know, I always, I do a why assessment. When they tell me what they want to do, I tell them why they want to do it, and I ask them how you go about doing it as far as, like, with the plan works. So, what I, so it, essentially, when they're asking me, and the thing is, that's what I mean, um, school, but they're asking me questions that no one else asked them. See, for him to tell me or her to tell me they want to be like me, that means that nobody else has even put them in a position to even know what they want to be. And that's what I do. My job is to pull it out of them. I don't care what they want to do. They can want to go to culinary school. They can want to be a mechanic. They can want to be a trash man. My goal is to show them, one, whatever you want to do, I applaud it, and it's important. I'm never here to downgrade what they want. And number two is I'm showing them that, if you if you choose a college route, they're showing employers this person is dedicated to something. Diploma from college to me means you're dedicated to something and you stuck with it. And the thing about the professional aspect of it is, I hope they want to be like me after professional athlete. I mean, after being a professional athlete is over, because Michael Strahan of the New York Giants said, "I want my life. 
away from football to far exceed when I played. And that's me. The reason I, I think my life is far more great, greater now than when I ever uh, had to strap on a football helmet. So you mentioned, well, when you mentioned about speaking to these individuals, these kids, and identifying how they can achieve their plan and identifying what their motivations really even are and what their dreams are. You're speaking about dreaming, yet earlier you mentioned that dreaming can often be a very lonely process where you're the only one who's really understanding and enduring uh, the, pro- the, the path to- towards that dream. Can you elaborate on, on your comment that dreaming is lonely? Well, well it, it's, it's very lonely when, when no one else believes in it but you. It could be a very, very – like even me, when I want to – when I thought the University of Florida was, it wasn't there. They far exceeded my expectations, but it was work day in and day out. And then I got to go on the field day in and day out. And then I have to be this ambassador for this great university. I'm 17 years old and the whole campus knows me. So sometimes your dreams can be a lonely place, but I say you, I, I let them know too that this is what you wanted. See, the whole thing about it is if it's something that I want and I want it bad enough, I'm going to stick to it. And a lot of times, the dream can become a nightmare because I played with players who thought the University of Florida is what they wanted, and they thought they wanted to be a professional athlete and all this until the work came behind it, and they quit. So when I say it could be a lonely place, it could be very, very lonely because sometimes perception is far greater than the reality of it, but I always instill in these young people and these students to let them know if it's something that you really want, nothing can stop you because I have plenty of things to stop me, but it, it meant more to me. Me achieving what I wanted far exceeded that far exceeding my own doubt. So while it, while it is great, it definitely has a lonely part, lonely aspect to it, because it essentially you're the only one. Even if it's a million of us, I'm, nobody can walk this journey with me but me. And sometimes, you know, it could get very lonely because it takes so much to become these things. So, Ben, we are approaching the end of this episode of Public Interest Podcast, and so I'd like to ask you a final series of questions. Would you speak to these kids? Suppose that you're speaking to these kids who you're mentoring, who you're speaking to, uh, and, and, and whom you're advocating on behalf of, and talk to them about what it what it means to do public service. Why have you been so interested in helping these kids, helping others, making the world a better place for them? Why, why has public service and advancing the public interest been important to you, and what do you hope will be your legacy to them and to the world at the end of your career? Well, I, public service is near and dear to me because of so many people that have helped me and continue to help me and will continue to help me in what I've done and what I'm doing and what I'm going to do. When I think about teachers, when I think about coaches, when I think about mentors, when I think about friends, people that have helped, helped me in what I've always wanted to do, I've always had somebody outside of my family to help me in what I'm doing. So me, doing, me being a public servant now is just a natural thing for me. As I always say, my passion in this life is speaking, but my purpose is serving. So the whole thing about it is my lasting legacy. When, I, when I'm gone, when I'm long gone one day, I hope that somebody can, when I think about the Martin Luther King Jr. Monument, which is in Washington, D.C. See, he's long gone, but his legacy lives on. I hope that somebody can say, I knew this guy one time. His name was Dan Trooper. He told me, I can have anything I want in this world. I just have to decide, and I have to put that work behind it. Because most people, we just, most people in this world, they just walk this earth. You want to, my work is intentional. Everything I do, I make sure it's intentional. With a purpose, for a purpose, on purpose. So I hope that my, my last legacy 
is they say we took this ordinary man that being true, and he told us we can live extraordinary lives. And he told us, while that's not going to be an easy thing, it's worth it if you really want it. So if I can do that, man, I, you know, I definitely know. And I'm doing that. I hope to continue to do that. And that has been Ben Troop, former tight end of the Tennessee Titans, second-round draft pick, tight end for the temp- Tampa Bay Buccaneers, All-American football player in high school and college, a youth development activist and motivational speaker who talks about uh, having a passion for speaking and a purpose for service. He advocates for uh, work and volition in life, living life with intentionality, understanding what you really want out of life and seeking to suck the marrow out of that life, to really go after what you want and to work for it and then to work through it uh, to its actualization. He seeks to, he recognizes that he, he comes from, uh, a, he's had many, much good fortune throughout his life, a fortune that sometimes is not extended to others. And he seeks to provide what was offered to him, to those who may not be so fortunate as to receive those same benefits were it not for Ben to take the initiative and help these other kids. He seeks to be an inspiration, using his time in the NFL and his celebrity status to inspire others to get out there and believe in themselves and to dream and to understand that, that uh, their lives are theirs to own and believe in and, and, and you'll encounter failure and you can, and you, you can persist and you can persevere. Uh, it's a message of inspiration, really, that Ben uses uh, in order to advance the public interest, uh, encouraging children to believe in themselves and to use his own life as a model of inspiration only so that others can actualize their own potential. So, Ben, I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me, Cooper. I appreciate it. This has been another episode of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. I'll remind you to subscribe on publicinterestpodcast.com and on iTunes. Leave a review of this podcast on iTunes and listen on Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, Blueberry, Player FM, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Should you wish to comment on this episode, you're welcome to leave a voicemail at 240-630-0380. And the first three minutes of that voicemail may be played in future episodes of Public Interest Podcast. Should you wish to support the podcast, you're welcome to leave a contribution in an amount that you feel comfortable with at publicinterestpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.